Freedom is one of the most important words in the American vocabulary. And really, it's, it's one of the most fundamental concepts to a happy life, no matter where you're from or who you are. And anything that really that, that limits our freedom, normally we look at and we consider that as something bad. And therefore, total freedom is, is the goal that's good. And America, you know, very much, we're, we're seeing now this, this bit of the repercussion of America feeling a little bit of limited freedom. Um, we're, we're starting to see, we, we've done really well for a while, but we're starting to see demonstrations around state capitals and you're taking away my rights. And we're seeing kind of the beginning of the, the little chink in the armor that that I know the government and many, many were hoping that that armor that says, let's band together. We're seeing just a little bit of a breakdown of that because freedom, freedom, you're hearing it. The government's taking away your freedom. My rights are being imposed. And it's not July 4th. It's not Veterans Day, but I want to look a little bit deeper at freedom. And I want to take off the red, white, and blue glasses. And I want to set aside the Western mindset. And I want to look at freedom today in the sense of how the Bible and how Judaism and how the sages through the ages have expressed that. And, you know, after all, we just finished what's called Zaman Herutenu, the season of our redemption, the season of our freedom, Passover and the splitting of the sea. So here's what you have to start with. Freedom is not a simple concept because in Hebrew, there are two different words for freedom. You have a word which is called a word chofesh and you have a word herut, chofesh and herut. You have two different words. Chofesh is this. Of its almost 16 uses in the Bible, almost every one of them has to do with being released from slavery. So, and th so that's what slaves got. When they were free, they became chofesh. They were freed from the bond. Freedom from something is what chofesh means. <clears throat> and we sing, everyone knows Hatikva, right? You know, the national anthem of, of Israel. The last lines of, of Hatikva say, To be a free people in our land. That's... There's chofesh, chofshi, to be a free people. And to, to be free from something. What is Hatikva speaking of? Being free from exile. Free from being scattered about the world. Free from exile. But it's interesting that if you pay attention to chofesh and its usage, it is the beginning of a story. It is the beginning of something that's coming next. And when you think of the Exodus, the Exodus and Chofesh being delivered from the bondage of slavery, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. Freedom from leads to something else. 
And that is where we give way to our second idea of freedom that is called cherut, which is more of a, it's a rabbinic concept. The word cherut is derived from the word that means ministers or nobles. And you find it in Kings and I think it's in Jeremiah. But this, this, this term, why would freedom be applied to ministers and nobles? Because they are the, they are the epitome of what someone who has freedom is allowed to do. In other words, it is when you say cherut, you're saying I have the freedom to something rather than freedom from bondage. I have the freedom to do something. So there's a distinction between these and, and it's, it's the opposite. Cherut is, is the furthest thing from slavery from the powerlessness of not being able to make any of your decisions or to do what you want to do, what a free person can do. So it's chofesh, the freedom from something, cherut, the freedom to something. And I'll, I'll clarify that. But well, for instance, in our Passover seders last week, as you begin the Magid section of the Haggadah, as you begin the telling of the Passover story, it starts with kind of this weird thing that says, this is the bread of oppression. And we're talking about matzah, and, and that section concludes, and it says, now we are here next year in the land of Israel. Now we are slaves. Next year, Lashana Chaba'a B'nei Horin. That word Horin is derived from Herut, and that means next year we will be free. It's a prayer. It's a statement of saying next year we will be free to determine our own outcomes, our own effects, our own purpose. We won't be slaves. We will be free to do something. Is that clear as mud? Freedom from, freedom to. So hang tight. We see a similar distinction when, we, when we're reading in Romans and Paul is talking about us as slaves. And everybody knows this section for in chapter 6. He says, but thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin... We could call this our Yeshua's work of chofeshing us, okay? He has made us free from sin. And then, it, of course, it says, but you've become slaves of righteousness, so how does this work? Well, we, Paul, technically, we see that we're, we're moving from something to something else. Paul says this as he continues that section. Just as you once, present, once presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, now present your, your members as slaves to righteousness. You were slaves to sin. You were delivered from that. Now you are, yes, a slave to righteousness, but you have freedom to pursue righteousness and sanctification. You have chofesh and herut at work. And so this is where Paul is deriving this from because he's connecting that to the Torah. 
because God also delivers Israel when they were slaves from Egypt. But he says in Exodus 32, I mean, in Exodus 6, I'm the Lord, I will free you from the labors of the Egyptians and deliver you from their bondage. And then he redeems them. And then in Leviticus 25, he says, for it is to me that the Israelites are slaves, my servants whom I freed from the land of Egypt. But the concept is the same. You're delivered from bondage to sin or slavery, and you are given into freedom to have a relationship with God, to affect the world. Now, you have to understand freedom is not actually ever free because a life of Torah is technically not a life of freedom. What we, what we would call freedom is absolutely no rules, no obligations, no responsibility. And that's freedom that leads to absolute anarchy. That is not what freedom can look like in a healthy society. So Herut is this freedom to do things with some sense of responsibility over you. You see, for freedom for, for the rabbis and for Judaism, it's not an absolute value. It's, it's, it's utilitarian. The freedom from Passover is the freedom, or the freedom of Passover is freedom from bondage. And that gives us the opportunity to be open and have freedom to live out the Torah. This is the rabbinic concept of Herut. And someone says to me, but what about that whole thing about who the sun sets free is free indeed? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, you are absolutely free from the price of sin and condemnation and death. Yeshua has given you that freedom from the bondage of the yoke of sin. And guess what? He gave you the freedom to be disciples under the yoke of Messiah to pursue his calling, his discipleship. So we look at Israel's choice of freedom, having, again, just come out of the Passover story. We have uh, a, still a very recent memory of their, of their um, traversing through the desert. And so Israel left Egypt, and they were now a free people, freedom from the bondage of Egyptian slavery. And we never, none of us have a problem accepting chofesh. We never have a problem accepting freedom from something that was bad. And neither did Israel, right? They're rejoicing, they're singing, they're dancing. Miriam's playing the tambourine. It's all good. The sea's splitting and we're jumping up and down and having fun. But it didn't take long for the freedom from thing to lose some of its luster, did it? We begin to hear complaints. We begin to hear some whining and bickering. Moses, why did you do this? Why'd you take us out? We like the fish and the leeks and all the things that we had in Egypt. And we're seeing complaining arrive. Now, pause. I want you to, I want you to always remember, any time that I ever use Israel as an example of failure, too often you hear people say, oh, horrible, look at this. Look, look at these Israelites. Horrible joke. What a joke. We're no different. We are no different. Israel's examples of failures are our very own examples of failure today. They just have a great way of demonstrating it for us. So anyway, that's a side note. 
but they lost sight pretty quickly of what God had given them, what he had done for them, delivering them from bondage and acts, giving them access now, a freedom to enter into a special relationship with him. My goodness sakes, to be called the, the chosen people. So as you know, part of that 50-day journey from Passover to the giving of Mount Sinai, which we're currently doing, we're in the 50-day journey. It's counting the Omer. That's a different story. That's a different message, but you can look that up in Leviticus 23 and read about, you shall count from the day after the Passover 50 days, and then... We arrive at the festival of Shavuot or Pentecost and the giving of the Torah and the giving of the Holy Spirit. But part of the purpose, the rabbis tell us, of that 50-day was to wash the Egypt off of Israel, right? They had descended far down into idolatry and, and just nastiness. So part of the 50 days, and it's part of for us today still, we're, we're cleansing our, our spirits, so we're cleansing ourselves. So they had forgotten, but they have this 50-day journey, and they made it to Sinai, and it was amazing, and it was great. They received the Torah and yet another remarkable show of God's incredible power with lightning and flashes of thunder and voices, and we see Herut is realized at in Egypt, Chofesh, through the 50 days to Mount Sinai, the giving of the Torah, Herut, what did they receive? Freedom to be in a unique relationship with God. Freedom to be called the children of Israel. Freedom to learn his ways, to live a happy life. Freedom to be a light unto the nations. Freedom to love one another as they love themselves. Freedom to worship God. And wasn't that what it was all about? When Moses went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go so that we can worship our God. And now they had it. Freedom from bondage, freedom to worship God. <clears throat> the Chofesh became Herut. And the Mishnah, the sages, in Pirkei Avot, it says the tablets were God's work and the writing was God's writing incised upon the tablets. That's in Exodus 32. But they say, do not read incised as harut, which is the Hebrew. Read it instead as cherut, for no person is truly free except the one who labors in Torah. So they see freedom in Torah, but, and, and, and that was the end of the story, right? Free people became free, everyone's happy, they lived happily ever after. It's all good. Well, unfortunately, we know that's not the story. They made a different choice. And we know that it didn't end as planned. And there was 40 years of wandering in the desert. That didn't have to be, but it was. And then finally, through Joshua, God delivers them into Israel. And we would say, wow, if you ever had an opportunity to be happy and to pursue freedom to do all these things, this is it. But it didn't work. Because still, they forgot God. They forgot the reason for their freedom from bondage was the freedom to love and to worship the God of Israel. They worshiped idols. The temples were destroyed. They missed the message. And you see, we know the power of what we've been given freedom from. And the way that it was given to us by Yeshua. We have been, we know that we, 
we have this call and now through the bondage being lifted off of us by the work of Yeshua, we have freedom to transform this world, to make disciples, to choose differently. But we don't always do that. We too forget what we've been delivered from. And we lose sight of what true freedom is. And the other side of the other side of redemption is clearly recognizing what you've been delivered from. That is to say, God, you saved me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for delivering me from. But if we miss, if we disregard, if we deny, if we reject what comes next, then that is that freedom to do something, to be different, to appreciate our many blessings and opportunities, to thank him daily for promises fulfilled. If we miss the part that comes after the deliverance, the walking it out part, then we too lose our way in the desert. And we miss what God is trying to lead us to. Freedom is not free. We hear that in terms of our military and our soldiers, and clearly that is the truth. But this type of freedom is not free either. It always has a price. And I am not in any way suggesting, hear me clearly, that we ever could have, have, have um, paid the price required for our freedom from sin. That was only done through one way, Yeshua the Messiah. But our, our price is what we choose to do with what we've been given and all of God's gifts and how we, how we remember that God has empowered us with freedom to affect the world. And here's the deal. God will not be forgotten. God will not be ignored. He will get our attention. And with this pandemic surrounding us, He's gotten everybody's attention. Well, actually, actually not everybody's attention. I want to introduce you to the bravest man in the world. Let me see if I can share my screen. I want to introduce you to the bravest man in the world. You ready? Can you see him? Not if you can see him. This the Honorable Governor Andrew Cuomo. Let me introduce, he had this to say this week about God and COVID-19. Cuomo, a self-professing Roman Catholic, asserted that the number is down, that is the number of cases in New York is down because we brought the number down. God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that. That's how the math works. If you don't continue to do that, you're going to see that number go back up, and that will be a tragedy if that number goes back up. Now, guess what? I get that second part about common sense. But man, you as a man want to tell me that God had nothing to do with something? Who are you? That takes some chutzpah. This from the man who signed also, and this isn't a political discussion. I don't care about his politics, but he signed last year a bill allowing uh, abortion 
up to the moment of birth, which was celebrated in New York by turning the World Trade Center shining pink lights on it. This is a brave man to stand in the face of God. Now, here's your application, because every teaching needs an application, right, Keith? That's what they teach you in seminary. Three points and an application. We will be free from COVID-19. As a matter of fact, we're already seeing, even though, and, and Ralph will give us an update later, our resident um, ER physician and COVID specialist, but we're already seeing, even though our numbers are on the rise in Bibb County, we're heading toward that, that peak. And we're seeing now reopen America, the plans come out. And I was looking over that and seeing, well, you know what? It may be late May before uh, gatherings our size are open again, but we're gonna get there and it's gonna break and we're gonna be delivered and we're gonna be freedom. We're, we're gonna have freedom from this. But, and I've said this repeatedly and will continue to say it. Should we look the same on the other side of it? And I don't mean whether or not we're going to give handshakes or wear masks when we go to Walmart. That's not what I'm talking about. What will we do with what we've learned? Will we just say, thank God that's over. Let's get back to things as they were. I believe, and I think a lot of you do, that God, there is an element of God, of the creator of Hashem in all things, all the time. And we cannot miss the message. And God has helped us actually to see things that are wrong in our world. And probably if you're like me during plenty of alone time to do an evaluation of your own life and of your own self. And I believe God has issued a call to his people, a come back to me call that says, love me and love each other. People longing to be around each other again. Wow, can you believe this? Husbands and wives can't wait to get a, away from each other because they've been locked in their homes together, but they want to be with other people. So the, so, the, so the disconnect that's happened in our society over the last decade, we're longing for one another. They're longing to, hear, to, to be in someone's presence and people are longing to hear about God again. I don't know Greg Laurie's theology. He's a pastor in California, right? I don't know his theology. I don't know anything about him. This is not an endorsement of his church. He could be the biggest replacement theology proponent on the face of the earth. But listen to this. Greg Laurie's congregation, Harvest Christian Fellowship, had an online audience of around 8,000 people per week before the pandemic. The first week after they were forced to worship exclusively online, their audience skyrocketed from 8,000 to 250,000. The following week, 350,000 tuned in. The week after, the audience grew to 634,000 people. Last Sunday, they had 1.3 million people watching their live stream. And I don't think he's offering to pay them to be there. 
And they had 21,000 people indicate their desire to put their faith in Yeshua for salvation. Governor Cuomo, I challenge you, good sir. God does have something to do with it. He's doing something. We may not see it in its fullness, but my goodness, friends, let's not miss it altogether. Cuomo is the furthest representation from what a minister or a noble, someone who has power and the freedom to affect a society, he is the furthest thing from what that should look like. To communicate a message like that for a man to say God has nothing to do with it, how dare you? You have missed the message and you, Governor Cuomo, will miss the reward. We cannot waste our freedom. So as we emerge in freedom from quarantine, COVID-19, isolation, social distancing, we can't take that freedom from and squander our freedom to. Freedom to love, to care, to worship, to reconnect, to serve. Freedom to repair the broken world that we've broken or that we've at least allowed to stay broken. I can't imagine going through all of this crap and forgetting everything that we were supposed to learn along the way. We need him in everything and we need each other. That's what we're relearning. It's what they learned at Mount Sinai. It's what Yeshua was trying to communicate when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And man, love each other. We need that. We need to get back to that. And I read an incredible article from a guy named David Hoffman on the Jewish Theological Seminary. He said this, like every human relationship, a relationship with God, with Messiah, it limits our freedom. Ooh, you can't say that in America. I told you, take your red, white, and blue glasses off, change your Western mindset. Spouses, friends, mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, every human relationship that we freely enter into and continue to be engaged with limits our choices and inevitably comes with responsibilities. Freedom is never free. But Rabbi Hoffman continues and says, ultimately, we believe, us, you and me, that a life lived in relationship, deeply connected and responsible to someone, is so much more meaningful than simply to say, I'm free from something. I am free to love you and to love God. You are free from so much. How will you use your freedom to? I invite you to fill in the blank with many, many, many new things that you will do post-pandemic. Let's love God and love each other as only those who've been delivered from bondage can do.
and we have the freedom to change and affect the world. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.